This is 900 Feet Feet Behind, a podcast about women standing out and breaking barriers in the business world. This podcast is brought to you by Outbound. Visit outboundsales.io to create your free account today. My name is Leonor, and I'll be your host for the season. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of 950 Feet Behind. Today, I'm here with the CEO of Smooth Sale and best-selling author of Nice Girls Do Get the Sale and Hired, the amazing Eleanor Stutz. Thank you so much for joining me, Eleanor. Well, I appreciate you having me as your guest, Leonor. Thank you. Thank you. So I always want to know about where everything began, and I can't think of a better question to ask than What did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a little kid? Do you remember? <laughs> I wanted to be able to do whatever my heart desired and not be a stay-at-home mom following strict instruction that was, you know, in my uh, generation. I kept my entire life, I said, that's not fair. I want to do what I want to do. Okay, okay, that's very interesting. So you felt like society was pushing you to have a role that you didn't relate to. Yeah, I was supposed to go to college to find a smart man to marry, and he would support me. That was the goal of the day. And I said, what a waste of time and energy. I'm not doing that. Do you think people viewed college as a, a matchmaking service rather than like education to, well, bring a father in life? Right. I always wanted to be in business and I realized that I needed the degree. So what I did was I got the entire course manual and read it from front to back to see what would hold my attention because I wasn't a good student. My mind wanders. And I saw anthropology, archaeology, and being that I love to travel, that was the perfect choice for me. And I was able to get through and finish in four years. I actually had that uh, written down, like anthropology seems very interesting. What did you learn that you think then helped you in the future as a salesperson? Well, I, I don't think it matters what age you're thinking about, what happened long ago or today. We pretty much encounter similar experiences. And it's those who are willing to learn from the worst experiences, view them as your guides for a better future, are the ones who find success. In the meantime, I love travel and I enjoyed a lot of uh, archaeological sites around the world. That's awesome. And you did a, a year or six months abroad in Mexico. Was that it? I did a summer. I was uh, an exchange But my favorite story, may I share this? One of the craziest pictures I took was Quechua, language of the Incas, because the regular class that most people took was supposedly very challenging. So I decided, why not learn what the Incas said and did? So I promised myself to remember one sentence. Many years later, I was at the SBA in Northern California, And to my surprise, a woman said she was from Peru. So out of the blue, I said to her with a big smile on my face, my tata drinkai kukuyan, she almost fell off the chair. It means where does this narrow road lead to? And from that point, she gave me all kinds of business leads and connections. So it was well worthwhile. <laughs> 
That's awesome. You never know. Absolutely. Very, very interesting. So you, you finished your degree in anthropology and then you probably got to that point where you ask yourself, and now what? What should I do? So what was like your first job after college? Well, that was the problem. Um, the only thing available to women at the time was to be a secretary, and it was not what I wanted. One of the better jobs, in a sense, was with a financial firm. The treatment was horrific, but the people that I represented were financial people. They taught me about the market and different types of trading. So I got a lot of training there, and that was good. And then I finally had it, and I went abroad for six months because I couldn't stand it. And then I came back a little bit wiser and more determined than ever to go into business. But then I got married, had a family. And years later, when my children were contemplating college, my husband and I both knew I needed to get a full-time job. I was an entrepreneur for a number of years. So um, he said, I know what you should do. You have the personality of a salesperson. My back was to him. I was horrified. I stood up quietly and looked him in the eye and I asked, is that a compliment or an insult? <laughs> but it turned out to be 100% true. I've been selling since I was a little kid and never knew it. Yeah, no, that's, that's one thing um, that I, I think is very true. Like most of us sell numerous things such as ourselves or like why we need a toy or, or a new t-shirt or something and like we sell causes all the time we just we're not aware of it until we we become older but your your right. husband definitely gave you a, a compliment uh with that one so um you decided to go into sales after your kids were already well young adults correct uh well no they weren't quite in college i needed to raise help with college funds so uh, nobody wanted a female in those days. I was stupid. I was going to fail. We're not going to train you. And as I said earlier, those awful experiences are your gifts in disguise. They guide you. So I, my first job, I wasn't permitted training. And I didn't know anything about sales or the big copier I was supposed to sell. So um, instead of uh, memorizing a script, I was myself and I asked clientele or prospects why they invited me in so I'd know what to continue. And then we exchanged fun stories. I asked how they got their job and uh, how they liked their career in case, you know, there was something better for me. And we just started having fun and laughing. So they kept inviting me back. And by the fourth month, uh, the CEO of every company I visited said, you better buy from her. You're wasting valuable time and we're going to fire you. So they bought from me. So the fourth month, not knowing anything about sales or how to sell, I became the top representative. And then the games got really ugly. Okay, that is absolutely incredible, especially if you're refused training, which boggles my mind. I don't know why they would do that just because you were a woman. It's, it's absolutely horrendous uh, indeed. But you say that the game got really ugly. What do you mean by ugly? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, fast forward, I captured most of them in my book, but I'll just give you the headline of it. The, four, the fifth month, I was going to be the top producer again. And the manager said, okay, you guys, 
Um, I'm going to treat all of you. It looks like Eleanor is going to make her numbers again. And we're going to honor those numbers with a lingerie fashion show. And I was horrified because he was talking about doing it at a motel on the worst side of town. And it was a mother-daughter combo showing off these outfits at, and was at a motel. And we all know what else goes on behind the scenes. And I said, why not a movie or a luncheon to honor my numbers? Nope, I promised the man, and this is what we're going to do. So you're going to have to read the story in the book to know what happened next. I definitely will, and I advise everyone who's listening to this to do so as well, because the laundry show at a motel. May I hold up the book? Yeah, of course. It's uh, nice girls do get the sale, relationship building that gets results. Women around the world are having the same problem even today. This was many years ago. So it quickly became an international bestseller, and today it's evergreen among the classics. So my goal in whatever I do is to teach women how to speak up um, with reason for doing so, not to get angry, just use the facts and logic to move forward. Definitely, definitely. Very well put. And you said that, well, your company uh, did not really take you that seriously uh, as being like a top performer. What about your, your family and your friends? How did they view the fact that your career was in sales? Oh, that's a good question. My, fa my immediate family was proud of me. Everybody else I know <clears throat> knew, and my so-called friend said I had no business being in sales. It was a man's job. So that was the, the era. So I, so for many years I worked on my own and uh, as I mentioned before, I'm creative. So that actually worked out best for me. And how could it be a, a man's job if you were, well, just a top performer? Like how could they, where was the data behind that? <laughs> the whole key is to build relationships, not to be egotistical macho. And they didn't get it. And every year I had to go find a new job because they were disgusted with my being the top producer and they gave all my accounts to the men. That is unbelievable, like completely unbelievable. So you were working all the way like up to build a good relationship with the customers and then all of a sudden it was all taken away from you and you had to start again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So 11 years. So and I got, going back to your gifts in disguise, 11 years, um, new job every single year for the same reason. And I became very adept at interviewing. So years later, my community service began with teaching job seekers how to sell themselves on interviews. And the plethora of thank you notes that I received was unbelievable. Made me feel really good. That is that is very, very uh, kind of you to like want to put your experience like to the service uh, of other people. Very, very good. And were there many women uh, that found themselves in situations similar to yours of not being able to enter the job world as easy as now? Well, most women would never have gone into sales. Mm -hmm. They all thought I was crazy. Okay. So I'm a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> crazy is good. Uh, it's definitely the best thing we can be in, in this crazy world is to be a bit crazier and, and look a bit uh, further. 
And was there a point in which you felt things started changing for you and like you just started proving yourself to a point in which men could no longer deny your worth? It didn't happen till much later, but my changing point was at the 11 year mark, I was at a red light and somebody slammed into me full force because she wasn't paying attention. And I told the doctor I could actually feel my brain swing around inside. Um, he didn't believe me, of course. Anyways, um, I was in terrible pain for 10 years. And then I say, thankfully, I was a passenger in a car that slid into a lamppost. And I heard myself say, you better call an ambulance. And it was, the ambulance took me to uh, Stanford Hospital. I was on a stretcher. My family was being consulted. I heard them breaking into sobs. Most likely they were being told I would never make it. Mm -hmm. But I had a near-death vision. And it was in the form of two visions. The first was I would become a speaker and help people worldwide. And I immediately in my mind said, yes, that's what I always wanted mm -hmm. to do. And this exquisite gold light encased my entire body, which I will never forget. The first vision faded. A second came up. And it was entitled Community Service, which was an embarrassment. I had high life marks on the left, but the community service part was completely blank. So in the moment, I promised to myself and the great beyond that I always negotiate. I'm a salesperson. <laughs> I'm negotiating in my that if I am able to walk out of the hospital on my own, I promise to begin giving back to communities at large. I saw a blink of the gold light and it slowly dissipated. And to me, that was a signal I'd be okay. And then a lot of crazy things happened that night. And I knew, again, they were signals I'd be well. The next morning, a surgeon came over to me to talk to me before the medication took over. And his words, again, I'm a salesperson and I hear what's not being said and the undertone of what is being said. And he said, Mrs. Stutz, most likely uh, you will be paralyzed. And I'm thinking, most likely and paralyzed? That's not what I saw the night before. And I shot back, doctor, when I wake up, I fully expect to be well. <laughs> and about to cut me open. The last thing I remember was him jumping backward. And hours later, he's standing over me and he said, Mrs. Stutz, there's no rhyme or reason for what happened, but in four days, you will walk out of this hospital on your own. It did take me a year to recover, but I was very thankful for every day of recovery. That is absolutely fascinating. I couldn't make it up. I guarantee I could not make that up. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely believe you. And the fact that you were able to negotiate with A, the great beyond, and B, the doctor performing surgery on you in the space of a night at the hospital, that just shows your skills in selling because that's absolutely amazing. Everybody referred to me at the hospital uh, as the walking miracle. And it took me years to uncover what they meant. I had no idea what happened that night. And I shared it with one person who I thought was my friend. And she said, I had no right to talk to the doctor that way. And I knew instantly that was the end of our friendship because it saved my life. And um, I kept everything to myself for eight years until I, I came to realize exactly what happened. And was that because you, you didn't 
feel it had happened or you just didn't feel confident enough in sharing it because you thought people would not believe you? Conf- confident. Yeah, lack of confidence. Yeah, I, I need to get more details. So what part be the uh, story? This is more unbelievable than the previous. Uh, do you want to hear it? Of course. So uh, we moved to another town. I didn't know anyone except one person. She was having a birthday party, so she invited me to the restaurant. I go in. Nobody would talk to me. They're all standing laughing, wouldn't invite me in. And out of the blue, this Asian doctor comes, walks in, comes over to me and says, would you like to have a conversation? I said, sure. So we sit down, and the first words out of her mouth, you Americans are so ignorant about your bodies, you don't even know that after a severe accident, the molecules work ferociously banging into one another, producing this gold light so that your body can heal itself. I almost, I was speechless and I almost fell off the chair and I'm the business professional. I didn't ask for her card. She gets up, walks out and I'm still speechless. The next morning, um, I called the birthday girl and I said, I need that woman's information because I have so many questions to ask her. She said, Eleanor, we don't know who she was or why she was there. It was out of the blue. So it wasn't her friend. It, it just happened. That is absolutely incredible. I'm completely speechless myself. How can I finish the episode now? <laughs> I keep saying I'm creative, but there's no way in the world I could ever make any of this up. Anyways, I've been devoted to community service and I've been doing it through my blog, helping people learn to share their stories, sharing it for them online, and uh, it's producing good results. That's very good. So you did start giving back to the community immediately after your accident. Yeah. First, it was training people on how to interview for the job they desired. And then it grew from there. I did sales training for teams and for entrepreneurs. And then later in life, I started a blog. And uh, I just love it because it combines everything I enjoy doing. It's not work for me. It's just it's a hobby that I enjoy. And you obviously write so well that you went on to writing not one, but two books. Yes. Um, how did that happen? When did you decide, I have so many important things to say and I need to write a book? Okay, well, in 2008 in the U.S., the economy tanked. And I had so many thank you notes stacked up for uh, talking in person, helping people get the jobs they wanted that I wrote the book, Hired, How to Use Sales Techniques to Sell Yourself on Interviews. And this was picked up by FedEx. It was featured across the U.S. store to store. And uh, it, it's still selling. So I feel very fortunate between the two books. And it was all to share with people the tough stories, how I overcame them, and for them to do better. I learned from many marketing geniuses that uh, the key to successful sales or getting what you want is to share your stories, be honest, be authentic, and people will be attracted to you, the right people. That's amazing advice, 100%. So do you think that being a good salesperson is more about listening and relating to people rather than like, oh, this is my pitch, I'm just going to deliver it and this time 
with this stone and I will just sell it. Yeah, I learned that early in my childhood. Nobody would listen to me because I wasn't popular. And uh, whatever I said was stupid or ridiculous. So I spent most of the days talking to myself in the mirror. I sound like a crackpot, I know. But I would watch for facial expressions and body language. And I would also examine conversations that were said to me. I'd look for conflicting statements. And uh, when my parents would give me instruction, I'd ask why. And they said, children aren't supposed to ask why. But it was all the groundwork for sales. And girls selling girls cookies. Oh, the first woman said she was heavy. She said, my doctor told me I can't buy cookies or eat sweets. I have diabetes. And I stood there staring at her because I didn't know if I should ask. And she finally said, do you have a question? I said, yes. Do you have grandchildren, nieces, or nephews? And if you do, don't you think they'd visit more often if you kept sweets in your pantry for them? She took 10 boxes. <laughs> and that's how I began. <laughs> That that is so funny. Like I can't believe it. That's and so smart. How old were you, Marla? Ten. Ten. I, that that's amazing thinking for a ten-year-old. I was selling my entire life. Yeah. Definitely. And you're not uh, overestimating it when you say your entire life. If you remember that strong statement at ten. I started at age five. I won't tell you what I did, but age five. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up with. Is it in a book? <laughs> now I'm curious. <laughs> I grew up with bullies, and at an early age, age four, I learned what to do in the instance of something nasty being done. And I learned how to stand up for myself. And that's where it all comes from. And my dad, every single night, it was annoying as a teenager, but every single night at the table was, don't give up. You keep going no matter what happens. And I realized, looking back, he was my coach. Yeah, and now you're coaching so many people worldwide, and you're <laughs> definitely. And how, how do you feel when, like, you speak in front of an audience and you, you see the faces turning and, and people being inspired? Like, how does that, that make makes you feel? Feel really good that I'm able to help other people. Yeah, I used to be highly competitive myself. When I became an entrepreneur, marketing person said, "You got to cut out the competitiveness. You've got to be collaborative." It was the scariest thing I ever did, but it's the best thing I ever did as well. Yeah, yeah, I I believe that because when you're worrying about competing with others, sometimes you're not worried about being being the best version of yourself, I guess. Yeah, so I was able to uh, expand a wider audience. That was my benefit, but it's heartwarming to see that I helped so many others. Yeah, I... I'm completely mesmerized by you. Uh, I have no words. Like your whole experience is just because it's a story. You can see it. You have to write a book about like you, you know, uh, get someone to write your biography because it's just everything makes sense. One thing after the other, you know, it's amazing to see how people become who they are uh, through their life journey. Exactly. It's listening to the good advice. Marketing people throughout my life told me to share stories. And then I took a Dale Carnegie public speaking class. It was the same thing. The first night I was scared to death to announce my name to the group. By the last night, I had eaten up all the 
all the instruction. And the last night I was announced as the grand prize winner. So um, it was just confirmation to share your worst stories. It's not embarrassing. It's you have to start looking at it as helpful. Share what you learn from those worst stories to help other people succeed. And that's where our success comes to be. And a success that in your case led you to be a top 1% influencer. 1% is not a lot. It's really high up. <laughs> Thank you. That's very kind of you. And how, how do you feel when like people consider you this very influential woman in sales? Do you feel like you're an inspiration or do you more just do it to give back and because you know it's the right thing and then you just have those moments, wow, like people actually look up to me? Uh, on occasion, yeah, it feels good. But I'm more interested in the help that I can provide people. That's If mm -hmm. our society would do more of that, we'd be in such a better place. Definitely, definitely. I I always say that if, well, people in general, but women specifically, if we spent more time supporting each other than competing with each other, right. uh, progress would have been achieved a lot sooner. Exactly. Excuse me for interrupting. Um, no worries. I was, after all my experiences, I'm active on Twitter and LinkedIn. But when on Twitter, I was shocked. I saw this white gentleman putting out the nicest tweets. And, I, and plus, he was in the military for the United States. And I thought, what's wrong with this person? So I asked if we could have a conversation. Well, it turned out the military gave him training on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And he's working with Inclusion Allies Coalition. And he asked if I'd like to be on the social media committee to help improve what's going on in our world. And I said, yes. And I wrote an article, Best for Last, because that's everything that always bothered me, that there was so much discrimination. I, I've always believed in equality. So um, I'm very involved with it. And that was actually uh, my last couple of questions for you. Uh, the world is evolving. Uh, but we both know that uh, women still have it a lot harder uh, than men, which is one of the reasons for this podcast to exist. What are your hopes for the future of women, not only in sales, but in the corporate world in general? Well, it's almost pie in the sky dreaming that we are all paid equally for the position we accept, that everybody's ideas are seriously considered, and discussed and that just a couple people at the top that that thinking goes away that it, it's a more inclusive environment and when people need help the leadership should reach out and ask how may i help you and if it's at all possible do it or provide suggestions on where they may find it and What do you think is your best piece of advice for other women who from, well, communities that are a bit more evolved in that sense, but also communities that do not accept women working at all? Uh, what do you think you'd tell them uh, to make them believe in themselves and, and try and take the chance? Okay, well, from that near-death experience, I came up with a slogan, believe, become, empower. Believe you can do it, become that person, 
and step-by-step -step start empowering other people to do the same. However you may, and sharing stories is an easy way for women to do it. Definitely, definitely. I loved having you. I wish this podcast could be five hours long because it's been so interesting talking to you. Uh, the, all the stories, all the, the things that happened to you, the good and the bad, and how it made you become the best version of yourself. Um, it's just, I think everyone who listens to it will find it very inspirational. And obviously, if you can, uh, if you want to mention your books just once again, so that people can go out and well buy them and read them because they have a lot of useful information, I'm sure. That's very kind of you, Leonora. It's an honor to be your guest. I enjoyed the conversation immensely. The two books may be found on Amazon, Hired, How to Use Sales Techniques to Sell Yourself on Interviews, and the other is Nice Girls Do Get the Sale, Relationship Building That Gets Results. Thank you for allowing me to do that. Thank you once again, and thank you to everyone who's listening. We will be back next week with a Twitter expert and Women's Inspire Network Program Director at WeDo, Samantha Kelly. See you next week. Thank you.